Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Moby. I'm Marty. I'm Leland. I thought I was going to get it in there before you went. No. <laughs> no, no. You always thought you'd get it in uh, there. Uh, uh, uh. Didn't say the magic word. <laughs> hey, clear off this workstation. <laughs> I always get it in there before Leland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for doing a wussy it laugh. I forgot to do it last yeah, episode. Yeah, get that in, in episode 25. Oh, Edit it in for me, buddy. I will try, I will. Well, welcome to episode 26, listen. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys, can you think we've done this like close to 30 times, including Well, bonuses? this one will be really close to our one year anniversary. Yes. Yeah, super close. Yeah. Like within weeks, I think. Yeah. Like within an episode or two. Yeah, the next one I think will be the anniversary episode. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm still really jacked to come do them. Like, I feel like our our topics are still pretty good. Yeah, you know, I, I, I hit a kind of like a muddled phase, I think, right around the middle. Um, yeah. I think because we were trying to maybe do too many bonuses yeah. or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what... It, yeah, but I think it was like around Christmas time. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. But now I'm super stoked again. Yeah. Maybe we should do an uh, introspective. Yeah. For one of the yeah, I've, I've actually, that's crossed my mind. I, I would agree with that. And I was thinking, spitballing, maybe I shouldn't be talking about this on the podcast, but I'm not going to edit this out, um, that we do like a year uh, giveaway, or maybe push the giveaway to like episode 30, where like, uh, I'll pick like a board game, Marty, you pick a video game, and Moby, you pick a movie, and we do like a giveaway bundle or something like that. Oh, maybe. I like that idea. Yeah, we can talk about it. Maybe. We can talk about that later. But I, I drop some of my can cash. can all sign it. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll oh, sign sure. copy. Oh, right? yeah. What about a headshot from Marty? Sure. Or a full body shot from Marty? There you go. Now we're talking. I'm getting doiced. I'm no, not fucking doing it. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no underage con- uh, entries, please. <laughs> you could have some used underwear. Hey, oh. I have already posted on Facebook, Mr. July, also known as Leland. You can be Mr. November. <laughs> Ooh. I'll, I'll be pretty chunky in November. <laughs> take, take the photos now. Okay. <laughs> I'll digitize them into the Take form. the picture. Take the picture. <laughs> um, banter, guys. I, I'd like to lead off just because this is so cool. Sure. And I just found this out last night. Um, my childhood best friend, who you guys have never met, um, he is a computer graphics modeler, now supervisor. Um, he's quite well off for himself. And he supervised, and his company was contracted for to do the art for the newest series of Magic the Gathering. And oh, I was cool. talking to him on Facebook because he had posted a sizzle reel. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, nothing but the T-Rex. I said, well, the T-Rex is the fucking coolest part. And it turns out he made this T-Rex... That is a magic card that I instantly bought four foils of, a play set, and it's like a legitimate card. It's it actually do? a good card. It's I wrote it down for you, Lee. Thank you. It's called the Charging Monstrosaur. Okay. And get this. It is a red card. It is a 5-5 five, five, trample and haste for four colorless mana and one red mana. So a 5-5 five, five, trample haste for five. That's- fucking good and it's only uncommon it's what it's only uncommon i was gonna say that's like gotta be mythic no as soon as i Whoa. saw that like i would have bought the card for my friend but then i posted i said like like dude his name's aaron i'm like i will play this card this card is going to be played in my decks it's that wow, good that's crazy because like the the latest uh magic set is like pirates and dinosaurs isn't it that's right yeah, yeah. pirates and dinosaurs yeah, that's a weird but, combination. I mean, he, he was a supervisor so i was like okay you know it's cool like your reel looks really well done and he's yeah. like yeah but i did the t-rex cool and so 
it's awesome that I'm going to have that part of this childhood friend. But is it better than a foil Raichu? Uh, not Raichu in... doesn't have trample. Right. <laughs> no, no, no not if you evolve them too quickly. Okay. <laughs> You're opening a can of worms there because, like, Foil Raichu in the midst of the Pokemon craze was my first money rare that I had. I love that thing to bits. I still own it after like 23 years or whatever. Hey, man. So, come on. 2019, we're going to get a Switch uh, Pokemon RPG. Yeah. I heard that. that. Good banter. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of so jealous. I would be down for playing. Do you want to be the very best? I am the very like no best. one ever was. To catch them could be your real test, Leland. Thank you. To for train that. them's my is cause. My goal. <laughs> I well, will travel across the land. All right, all right, all right. That's enough. Searching far and wide. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marty. <laughs> That's enough. Speaking of dinosaurs, my banter. I have two pieces. First piece: Jurassic World Evolution. Yes, looks really cool. Yes, it does. Uh, I think uh, by the time this airs, it's. I think it's out already. Uh, has it like a mid June release date? End of June release date? I think it looks fucking cool. It's like oh yeah, it's it's a park simulator, but you're making a dinosaur park. It looks so cool. There's been games like that, but this one looks like pretty next gen. It looks really cool. Yeah, yes, it it is. This does look next gen, and That's of course, cool. who hosts the game? Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I mean, I would buy it for is, that alone. Prizing's rules, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Doctor Ian Malcolm. And he's like he's like the voice of reason ish, right? Like he's like totally like uh, As he should be philosophically against what you're doing at the park, but he's like he's like your conscience basically. It's it's interesting. It's interesting. And like you you know, there's three main departments that you you manage and you you take tasks from and you garner uh, like the, the relationships with the department and if you favor one over the other, I think it changes some in game stuff and you know, missions you get access to and all that kind of thing it just it just looks cool that you just you literally get to make fucking dinosaurs and make a park i hope at some point i get to navigate around a unix system at five frames per second <laughs> it's a unix system i'm not sure about that okay I but uh, it is interesting where you get a lot of the you know the stereotypical park simulator over top view yes and but you also will get boiled down to being like controlling like a single dude like you know tranking escaped dinosaurs and all that stuff like it looks it looks, yeah, really it looks cool. legit it yeah. looks legit probably not matter. one i would maybe want to pay full price for no but i could see myself buying it for a hopper yeah definitely if the reviews come out like i do trust steam reviews in the aggregate if i see like five thousand reviews saying overwhelmingly positive yeah i'd probably go in and buy it pretty quick yeah that's a good point i mean i uh i'll be picking up a ps4 version eventually but um i don't know i just thought that looks really yeah, cool and really my other nice. my other banter is uh the uh, latest halloween trailer that i just showed you guys yes uh, looks so fucking cool. So basically, they're this is effectively Halloween two. They are retconning every movie after the original Halloween. This takes place forty years after the original Halloween. So cool. So instead of Michael Myers escaping after being shot by his therapist, he is taken into custody and has been in this this psych ward for forty years. Because didn't didn't they do one like Halloween H two O with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah, she did revise. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it has. She's um, retconning her own movie. I know. Yeah, but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis reprises the role as Laurie Strode, and 
Nick, uh, I wrote his name down, but Offerman? Nick Sests, <laughs> I think his name is, uh, coming back as Michael Myers. Oh. Is he the original Michael he is, Myers? Yes, okay. yeah. Wow. So both of them, that's, re- that's really that cool. That is really cool. You need the two of them, good writing, we're good to get. Yeah, so this was actually weirdly like written um, by Danny McBride. What? what? Yeah, and uh, huh. a guy named David Gordon Green. They're like the two front runners. Uh, David is directing it. But apparently they approached the studio and originally were going to pitch two movies. So they already have ideas for like continuing whatever the story is. Huh. Yeah, so, so yeah, random, right? Weird, yeah. yeah, the trailer was really good, though. It was a cool-ass fucking trailer. I I use the new verb that Moby has just coined, loganized. They loganized um, Halloween. They made it seem like a very serious, gritty, well-written drama based off the trailer. Like, that trailer was awesome. It, it sent a couple chills off my up my spine. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but, like, when... He oh, like yeah. drops a fistful of yes. teeth over the stall. Over the stall, and is cowering. And that's, oh. so that, that's what like sold it for me. Like up until then, I was like, "Oh, okay, this looks cool." You know, I'll probably see it eventually. But like, boom, full of teeth, bloody teeth. Like, oh, fuck. you know what? Sometimes you can just tell from trailers that like a movie's gonna yeah. be pretty legit. I think so I think so. I just really get that. I'm, I'm actually really fucking bummed for this. I yeah, was ne- I want to go with you. Really, I don't care. You I was never really into the Halloween franchise all that much. Not as much as, you know, like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. But he's, it's one of the staples of the horror genre, right? So Michael Myers is, is one of the original, the OG, you know. Yeah, he's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah. I just thought it looked greatest way. It'll be in the show notes if you want to check it's it out. Hell, by now, no, nah, there wouldn't be a second trailer. Not yet. Nah. Not yet, no. If when there is, it's coming out on around Halloween. It comes out on October 18th, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Duh. Uh, yeah, you know what? I think like the Mount Rushmore would be him, Freddy, Jason, and probably the Leprechauns. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Leprechaun is on, like, the amusement part version of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> like <laughs> right? the animatronics. Yeah, like yeah. a little, t- it's a train that just, uh, you know, tours like uh, mini attractions. He's on like the fake Mount Rushmore. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? When I said leprechauns, I, I meant the critters because I wanted like the okay. girls. Yeah. I would nominate Tony Todd from the Final Destination series. He's not a killer. Well, he's like a gatekeeper to the killer. Eh, Final Destination's overrated. <laughs> Leland, uh, do you want to vote to the, have the podcast go down to two people? Fi- in <laughs> well, I mean, we already voted to kick you out a couple ago. It's just going to be oh, me. <laughs> this is what I wanted well, the whole time. Leland show. Start Leland. <laughs> well, it only took you a year to get there. <laughs> but yeah. I got it. Yep. Playing the long, the long con. <laughs> All right. Uh, Marty, do you have any banter? No, I'm ready to jump right into this bitch. All right. Sweet. Well, we're stoked. So let's do it. Sorry, that's offensive. Uh, I'm ready to jump right into this thing. Okay, so we take it away. All right, uh, time for video game variety show. Uh, this is, segment is titled "Walk Not Hard," it's, <laughs> and it's about walking simulators—a sometimes derogatory term that has been used to label games that sometimes feel like we're just simulating the act of existing, walking, exploring, but not really playing this type of game. I don't know if that's the right way of explaining these type of games. I have some feelings on it. Um, I do have some criticisms of a lot of these games. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting way of experiencing a narrative. And 
we could dive into some of our favorites, some of the ones we played, and we're also going to review Firewatch because it's one I, I just recently played that Moby purchased for me, and uh, he very much felt like I would enjoy. So we'll talk about that. Uh, you boys have any initial thoughts about walking simulators? Um, I love them personally. As you guys know, I'm a fan of Goo Goo Baby modes in whatever video games. I don't like a huge challenge. I am a narrative-based guy. That's why I love the game Fiasco so much um, in RPGs. And when I play an RPG, I the thing I'm most excited for is the narrative portion and playing a character. I'm just a natural kind of actor. Or I just had a way. t-shirt idea for the podcast. And it would be like <laughs> the T-Ed podcast. And on the, fr- on, on the front or something on the back would be like Goo Goo Baby mode. Like, uh, give me a challenge and then, like, Leland Steele. Give me Leland Steele or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Marty Mar- Mar- Medium. And then- <laughs> Marty Medium. <laughs> oh, that's their podcast rating system. That's yeah. awesome. Their challenge rating. That's a really awesome. good idea. No um, tip. Yes. Timestamp that one. Because <laughs> we know yeah. you don't edit these things. So, I mean, for Walking Simulators, the first one I ever played, which wasn't that long ago, was Layers of Fear, um, which is a horror game and it was awesome it had phenomenal graphics a great story and it really kind of made me get into the genre going you know i want more like this um i mean i I have criticisms criticisms like you guys do as well but as a first impression i would say i love the genre i purposefully seek out walking simulators i played a bunch i have two more on the go currently and uh yeah i'm definitely down leela i I do enjoy them. I am a, an appreciator of the narrative experience as well. They are certainly not what I tend to gravitate towards, um, but I wouldn't, if if someone suggested I play one like you both often do, I'm totally down to play it. Yeah, they're definitely just not my game of choice, mostly because I think generally it's like a PC gaming thing. I'd say they certainly have more options on the PC. Right. Yeah. And they're cheaper too. You can dive in and get them yeah. for cheap for like five bucks sometimes. And that is, that does enhance potentially the value of that game. Yes. Because if you're going to play these games once, which I mean, for realistically, three or four hour experience. most of them are once through, in my yeah. opinion, unless oh, you're yeah. really into it. Moby might play a few more than once, but. I'd say most, most of them, I mean, they're a three to four hour game quite often, if not less. And that's it for most people. So yeah. if you're paying twenty nine dollars, well, I don't know about that. Yeah, that's pricey. That's like yeah. ten bucks an hour almost. I agree with that. I would say for most listener, if you're interested in them, wait for a sale. Uh, for most of them, till they come. I would say about the ten dollar range is probably your magic mark. Where I think so. Worth it. Yeah, it's like. Like renting a movie plus, you know, a movie would be like six bucks to rent online. You know, you get a game that you play, you get, you know, six hours out of. Well, okay, it's worth 10 bucks. I think that's reasonable. You know, I paid $20 for Gone Home, which was one of the initial ones I bought mm-hmm. based on reviews. I wanted to try it. I liked it. I don't regret buying it, but I think $20 was excessive. Right. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, it's, it's just like... It's four hours. Yeah, I wonder though, like, are there... Are there more expensive walking simulators that buck that trend, like that are a little more depthy, but still would be considered to be in that category that may be worth that price, but you just overlook because of the price point? You know, and the stereotype of the genre. I'm trying to think about that because, like, 
Um, the one I, I played a little bit of, I played the first episode with Life Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. And there certainly is like a collectible aspect to it that you could get into. There is the the amount of alternate choices are pretty interesting. And so I could see myself replaying it, I think. But at the same time, I mean, I very rarely replay those types of games to just play out the choices again. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. you have to be pretty drastic. Uh, one that's kind of like a walking simulator, not quite, I'd say, is like Heavy Rain, you know. It has a lot of aspects yeah, that of that, is, right? That is very much the that, in-between type. That is like the AAA version of a walking simulator, yes. right? Well, that and um, what was the one that just recently came out this month? Uh, Detroit Being Human or you whatever? Become Human, yeah. yeah. He's got another one, too. I think Beyond Two Souls was the other, was like the in-between right. one they made. Yeah. And then Indigo Prophecy was the one for uh, the PS2. The yeah. generation, yeah. yeah. Now, that uh, Being Human or whatever one... Yeah, looks very interesting. It's it's like very cyberpunky. You you play uh, like three different. I don't know. They're considered androids. I guess they call them. Yeah, I they're like an android. But man, that is not a seventy nine ninety nine game. No, you can't. Uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I could I could see myself maybe dumping the twenty nine to play that down the road. Yeah, depending. I mean, I I could I would pay forty for it maybe. Yeah, I don't know it. If if the if the theme grabbed me, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But like Heavy Rain was not a seventy nine dollar game. No, which I, I still paid seventy nine. I know. For. I think I got it pretty new myself too. Yeah. And you know what? I I actually did not really enjoy that Heavy Rain. Mostly though, just because of the the stupid six access axis history yeah, yeah, yeah. implementation of That's it. Bad. I yeah. did not like having to do that. And I failed a lot of times because it was not as responsive as it needed to be. Mm. And there was no way to, like, change it to something else or, like, a button press. Or, yeah. You know? Because you're not – those games, you're not playing them for the challenge of hitting those, you know, no. basically quick time events. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're playing should, it, it for this. It should mostly be placed in choice. Exactly. Yeah, not on, yeah. like, your skill. Right. And sometimes in that game, it's like, oh, no, you actually screwed up and then – Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you get, and then you get another. You do get another outcome because you fucked up. So yeah. I, I know maybe there. That's where the merit of that comes in. Yeah, because it is a narrative drive, I guess. But I don't know. I just was not the biggest fan, and I did only play that game once. Now yeah. that game uh, is a game that begged to be played multiple times. Yes, although once you've had the spoiler revealed, it certainly lessens the impact a little bit. That's true. Yeah, you're just basically playing out for. You know, to see, oh, okay, well, let's see what this character thinks about the ending that I already know about. Yeah, totally. And Or trying to throw it for yourself to see how bad you can make yeah, it. Yeah, right. Do you guys have a, assuming it's available on PC, do you guys have a price point that you think I would enjoy Heavy Rain at, 15 bucks? It's not available on PC. It's, okay, it's no. a PS4 or PS3 exclusive, okay. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, but to give you an example, I would think that a game like that now, probably $15. Okay. It is a bit longer. Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say like twenty. So I think fifteen yeah. to twenty, I could see that. I could yeah, definitely see that. Because I think you could get about eight hours out of it. You could get a little bit more. All right. Yeah, but you know, I I did want to talk about kind of what you guys' favorites were in the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few. Um, one of the ones I recently played was To the Moon, which it really is just a walking simulator. It's just a pixel, yeah. you know, eight bit version. And that has almost no gameplay. I've talked about it a few times, but essentially, you're you're these um, you're essentially these scientists. Your job is to I- explore the this uh, dying man's last wishes to like fulfill in his mind his last wishes. 
So you're essentially going through his memories, changing them, and trying to change his vision of his life so it turned out the way he wished. Oh, cool. Um, and it's got a really poignant story. It's pretty touching, and it's really interesting. And the writing's pretty top-notch. Um, I re- really recommend it, and it's really cheap, too. I think I got it on sale for, like, $4. That was worth it. Yeah, so for $4, it's, it is three hours, maybe four hours long. It's a perfect two-sitting game, in my opinion. It's yeah. split into two acts, even. Um, the reason being, you could play it in one, but I feel like the gameplay is not conducive to sitting for four hours and playing. Mm. It's kind of... It's like watching maybe, like, an extra... It's like watching an extra-long episode of a television show. Going okay. to get a snack, coming back and fin- wrapping it up. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. That's how I felt about it. Okay, you know, two bite-sized pieces. That's funny. Uh, you know, the other one I really like. I really like Gone Home. Mm. Uh, I know Moby hasn't played it. I-, I haven't played it, and I know the twist. It- yeah. By accident now, and I think you've told me to still play it anyways. Like it's worth it if it's on sale. If it's on sale, so I think I I bought that for some reason. Yeah, I know. I saw you have it. I, I have it. I have not yeah. played it. I do not know the twist. Yeah, so I won't get into it. But one of the things, um, unspoiler version of that is that you're you're essentially a college student come gone home. Um, you go home to your family estate, and no one's there. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So you're exploring, you're finding newspaper clippings, you're finding messages, you're, fi- you know, typical, you know, exploration based walking simulator. But when you find certain things, it brings up a diary entry from your sister who's talking about the family. And that is the main way of pushing the story forward and kind of giving you clues on where to go in the house. Um, what really caught, grabbed me in that is that is the sound and the, the ambiance. Uh, because you're in this house that's empty and you start feeling like, well, what's wrong? Like, what's ha- what am I going to find? And, like, there's a lot pointing you towards one area of the house and you're like, am I going to go there? And what am I going to find there? Like, is everyone dead? Like, what the hell is going on? And I actually felt very nervous, playing, like, very anxious playing it because of that. And for that feeling alone, that ability to really push me to want to know, like, what is going on here? Uh, what is going on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo. Oh, uh, what a callback! Wow. All the uh, under, uh, well, everyone else except us is like, "What are you talking about?" But yeah, like I really like it just for that. I mean, the game. There's really no gameplay. It's just you know manipulating the environment and exploring, and and nothing else. But playing with headphones on, being in this house, there's a storm going on. You can hear the creaks and the cracks of the house, and like music when you turn it on, playing in the distance, like. For that alone, it's really well done, and the story and the voice acting. So that one's really good. I do recommend it. I still think I'd recommend it to Moby. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'll play it. I'll look it up. I'll play it. I did have one more. Go ahead. I just couldn't remember what it was, so I had to go oh. through my notes. Uh, actually, it was uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, yeah. I really like that one. That one's That's a short one. I think you could rip that in maybe two hours. Maybe three. Edith? Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, Moby. I, you talk about it. It's so creative, even amongst other walking simulators. Like, yeah, it's a walking simulator and it's very linear. You go from room to room and there's really only one path to go. But how the stories are told, 80, 90 percent of them, because there's many little stories, is so creative. And I don't know, it's hard because you don't want to spoil it and give listener examples. But I will say this, each story about what happens to a member of the family plays out completely differently than the others. And I really Yeah, like I like that too. I like that it's essentially like a series of like interactive mini games yes. that are very yes. artistically told. 
Yes, exactly. I think that's a very good uh, description of it. And it's it's tragic. It's heartfelt. It's a little disturbing for a couple of the stories I found, at least two. But yeah, it was a great ride. And it's definitely like I will play that one again. It might be a year or two, but I will at least play it one more time. It has like a fairy tale quality to it. Like like an old school like Grimm's yeah. fairy tale. Like you have like it's a story about this person and like it's got a lot of tragic elements and you you know this tale won't end particularly well. well. Yes. Like it it doesn't li- at no point playing it do you feel that way. And it, it does a really good job of keeping that like almost fairy tale esque you know uh, setting and like atmosphere. It's really interesting. Yeah, it was definitely worth the money. Leland, what do you think about Edith Finch? I yeah, I also liked it. Um, it's one of the few walking simulators that I've actually played and it is, yeah, it's definitely up there. I thought you're right. It's very artistic. Um, it's very like, it's very affecting, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think the, the narrative beats are, are very well told, you know, like it gets, it gets the point of the, it doesn't slap you in the face with it. But through these little mini games, like you like you say, um, you are like weirdly and abstractly experiencing what's going on and like the tragedy of these of the of this family, basically. Yeah, no, that was I I I like that one too. So, did you guys have some other than those maybe that you played? Yeah, or? one. I mean, there's there's a few, and I I don't want to spoil too much, but I mean, Firewatch is up there, but we'll talk about it more later. Um, one smaller one that I don't think you guys have played is called The Park that no, I really like. I haven't played that. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a shorter one, but the atmosphere is really cool. You basically break into an amusement park after hours, but it's kind of like a rundown amusement park. It's really creepy. So you're there at nighttime, you do the rides alone, and it kind of reveals, um certain pieces about this character and then the end is quite creepy and scary i don't think this spoils anything to say it but it basically sends you through a few rooms over and over and very much like the pt trailer for silent hills um each time you go through this area it keeps getting darker and weirder and more scary Hmm. and that's like honestly that's like a third to half of the game is this one ending area and it, it is pretty creepy. So I would say I recommend the park for anyone who kind of likes scarier, creepier walking simulators under 10 bucks. If this thing is eight bucks, five bucks, definitely pick it up. Um, the other I already mentioned layers of fear. If you're at all interested in walking simulators and you like horror, I mean, it's at the top of the list. It's the best looking walking simulator I've ever seen bar none. There's another one that's intriguing, but I I own it, but I need to get further into it. It's called The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, I've I've read some stuff on that too. It's uh, I don't know much about it though. No, and what I've seen and I mean this this shouldn't be a spoiler because it's very at the very beginning, but it seems like a kid is is uh kidnapped by aliens or something. He somehow ends up in a space pod. You kind of have to figure out, like, what the hell went went wrong there, went up there. Um, I'm also playing a major one, but I'm at the beginning, called SOMA, all capitals, S-O-M-A. Okay. And it takes place in the future, but it actually takes place in, like, Vancouver, hmm. Canada, where we are. And so that kind of makes it... Is that, a, like, a horror game? 
I think it will turn into one. And I think it's a sci-fi horror. Yeah. I need to get more into it. Right now, like, I'm in a lab and I'm alone. I, I had had an appointment there, okay. but nobody's there. I feel like I've seen it somewhere. I feel like because the name kind of resonates with, like, an image of, like, aliens or, like, violence. Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, there's a few more I have to get into. You, Marty, very kind and buy me the precursor to Life is Strange um, before the storm. I started playing that a bit. I think I bought you the regular game. Oh. You had already owned the, pre- already the prequel. Owned the prequel. So, okay. Maybe it was that. Yeah. And you um, started playing the prequel. Yeah, the mature themes on that one are are interesting so far. I got to play more into it. But you pretty much try to break into a secret concert. There's a lot of hard drug use and sex going on. I'm like, okay. And they're all teenagers. and But, I mean, that makes it interesting. I'm not saying that's a, a strike against it. Mm-hmm. Uh Firewatches we'll discuss is is one of my favorites though. So. Okay, yeah, I, I agree with Firewatch. I really Firewatch is up up there for me. It's, um, would you guys say like you know like the Mist games? Yeah, those, like are those Mist watching, and, are those and yeah, they kind of are. But are are they more like text based? Like, um, it, do you actually walk or is it just point and click? Or? No, you do. Oh yeah, I think it is point and click. So that's different. That was kind of like the precursor to it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I really like those games. Like they're they're just puzzle games. But yeah. you're you're walking around and you're interacting with the environment, and you are you're unfolding the narrative of you know okay, Riven, the sequel to Mist. That's literally its title. Definitely my favorite. But yeah, you're you're on this island, and it's kind of like what the fuck is going on here? And you're you're walking around, and yeah, you are finding some documents, and you know of pre of previous inhabitants of the island or whatever and you're solving puzzles so you can you know traverse and unlock other parts to again continue to unfold the narrative mm-hmm. uh, so i if those count then i like them yeah i guess they do i mean really like in any of those games the the narrative drives the gameplay because you're not really you're only playing to get to the next thing you know you need to find out what's going on what's the story how does this end yeah. yeah, for the most part, that's how it works. I wonder though, though, if those those feel more like okay, the narrative is kind of slapped on for the puzzles, right? You know? Right. So it's more of a puzzle game. Yeah, maybe I think that might be the case. Actually. Yeah, because I think the argument against the walking simulators is like there is no real challenge, right? Whereas like a game uh, like I would yeah, Riven and Mist, you can get stuck. You can, yeah. Okay, okay. Then I guess those don't qualify. Because there's a game for um, PC and PS4. It's called, um, it's called like the, what is it? It's, you know what? I'll, I'll have to come back to it. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it, but it's, oh, geez. I know what it, I'll explain what it's about. Sure. <laughs> you're on an island and you're, you're solving, you're essentially just solving puzzles on an island. It's called uh, like the stranger or like the, the Witness. That's it. Not The Stranger. It's called The Witness. And it was made by the guy who made Braid for uh, for PlayStation, like uh, for like their arcade game system or whatever. And then also it's it's like an indie game, right? It's mostly like a puzzle. It's like a narrative puzzle game. Well, this was like the same thing. It's like you're solving puzzles on an island and they're all like, I guess they're all fit within a frame, like a certain way, like the puzzles are designed in this game. I've never actually played the game. Um, but it's like 40 hours of puzzles. Like Whoa. it's really in- involved. And uh, I think the, the creator's game name is like Jonathan Blow or something. And he's like, he's pretty intense in like making these games. Like that's his whole focus is like yeah. make hard puzzles. 
and make like make them mean something. Yeah, yeah. And he has an artistic vision for it that I, I mean, I don't know if you could really get in. Everyone could get into a game like that, right? It's like 40 to 60 hours of just puzzles walking around an island, right? Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and like to play that kind of game is not the kind of game you can sit down and play for 10 hours either, right? Like that's, you got to put some time and over a long period of time to probably enjoy that properly. Right. And that, I don't know if that even fits inside a walking simulator because is that just more of a puzzle game? Yeah, yeah with a walking simulator kind of like getting you to the next puzzle. Right, mm. right. Mm. You it's know. like the game inside the game. Kind of. It's like yeah. just a way of making like, showing what he wants to actually make the, the game. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just this adapt, as a medium that he's adaptive to then morph into the content that he actually wants to play. Yeah, out. which I think is more the case where I think yeah. a walking simulator and I think Firewatch is really a, a great example of what a walking simulator generally is. Right. Pros and cons from my perspective. And did you guys want to dive right into that? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I got Firewatch last weekend, played it, uh, played it in one sitting. Um, I took lots of notes so I can talk about that. It's essentially your, when you start out, it's telling you the story of a, a man who meets his wife, future wife. You're making some dialogue decisions as it's kind of showing you uh, as you're en- entering your summer j- job being a, uh, fire watch ranger in a park it's in the set in the 90s i think it's like the early uh, 90s early late 70s well it late 70s when you meet your wife but uh, when she gets sick actually it's later on yeah it's the 80s it's the late 80s i believe oh but the gameplay though is is the 80s oh yeah it is in the 80s yeah okay. yeah because uh, when you meet your wife i think it's like in the late 70s and then it shows like ah, you, you get married right. and she because gets the sick. gameplay occurs after yes yeah, okay. uh, yeah. so uh, you find out she gets sick you have a couple of dialogue decisions one of the things i did like about it is as you're making the choices you have and like just ma- even if you don't have don't get to make a choice in the dialogue you have to click on it as if you are making the choice even when they're bad dialogues it's like you find out your wife has like a disease and you don't know what to do about it and you click on it. I felt like that was kind of like important. Like you're clicking on this, just you have to make this decision. It's forcing you to click on this to push the narrative forward. And you're finding out that your wife is sick, that she's um, getting like early onset Alzheimer's and essentially your character runs away from it. He's running away from his responsibility. So he gets a part-time job. His wife is now being taken care of by her family. She's probably going to die at a young age or at least forget him. And his now the story just takes place of him being a park ranger for a summer. And it's it's really the story of him kind of running away from his life. Mm-hmm. And that's all that's the main thing I got from it. And he you could I guess develop a relationship with this other person via the radio. And at first, what I was feeling was that this relationship might be, might not be real. Like, is he imagining this? Like, yeah. because even a couple of the pieces of paper and documents I was finding was making it sound like this guy was walking around talking to himself. And <laughs> that was weird. Now, did you feel the same way at the end of the game? No. Okay. I guess it does spell it out pretty clear for you by the end of the game. It kind of, well... But what I am still unclear on is if the character that he's speaking to is actually the character that she's portraying herself as. Yeah, that was another thing, too. I'm like, is she... Because she's real, I'm guessing. Right? Right. She's obviously real. Yeah. Well, not obviously. Well, because she says she takes actions that affect you in-game. Yeah. Right? 
but at the end, you clearly like, but you see like things that were hers in this place, right? When you're there, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. it feels like there's like some real like she should be should have been there, you know. Right, she, but right. it but is she who she said she was? Right. I'm not sure. Or is it or or is it just Henry is his name, isn't it? Yeah. Or is Henry just again further escaping from yeah his own reality? Pause. So, are you guys suggesting that Delilah, the second, basically, there's the only two characters that are talking the whole game, that she's not real? Yes. Wow, that thought never crossed my mind. That was the first thing that crossed my mind, and I think it was because I had initially read somewhere something about that. Yeah. But I can't tell you where or when or how. (laughs) So I went into it expecting that almost as the twist. I was like, I'm pretty sure I had this spoiled for me. I'm pretty sure this person's not real. And then I kept kind of like thinking about it. I'm like, maybe she's not. Oh, well, okay. I think we can. We're we just going to go full spoiler. Yeah, this full spoiler over. alert. We got to do this. Yeah, this game's from 2015. Or yeah, yeah, full spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then what What I, uh, we're starting with con, right? Yeah, well, well let's just talk about that. I'm, okay, I'm, what I'm, I didn't like about this game was I didn't, I did not feel satisfied with the ending. Me neither. There was no payoff from all of these, you know, possibly supernatural events occurring, you know. And, and again, that could be like some of the narrative injection of Henry himself, like getting spooked out and stuff. Yes. About being alone in this, in this forest for three months, right? But like, I felt like there should have been another answer. Yeah, so the reveal that um, it was that one guy who was there, who the original guy who was there with his son, yeah. his yeah. son dies, and he tried to cover it up. I did like that it wasn't a clear cut answer. Like he didn't, you don't really know if he, if it was deliberate or if it was right, a mistake. Right, he actually killed his kid. Yeah, or, or if it was he was an just accident. he was so traumatized by it, he just hit it, at, you know, and like yeah. hit in the woods, and then became like a nut. Or, or maybe yeah. that made him a nut, or maybe he wasn't. He was already a nut job. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I when I play a game like this, I appreciate those questions. Right. What I don't really appreciate is that the answer didn't feel satisfactory. It didn't really reveal enough about maybe maybe what was going to happen to Henry afterwards. Maybe there wasn't enough. I don't feel it explored enough about what Henry was dealing with. Do you... Was that the point? I mean, I got... Like, right? Like, was that what you thought they were going for? I th- well, I mean, the setup's pretty strong with telling yeah, you about what's true. happening. That's true. It, it gives you this huge upload front of info. Yes, and then the entire, the, all the gameplay you're experiencing has very little to do with all of that. Very little. It t- you know, there are some touches, yeah. touches on some of the the narrative when you're speaking with Delilah and stuff. I will say it felt I used it to affect my decisions as well. So when early on okay. when I interacted with the campers i was deliberately an asshole because i was angry i was thinking i'm angry about my wife and i'm here you kids are being jerks right because like they respond really negatively to you just showing up right right? and i was like okay i am gonna throw your you know radio in the water because i don't think you deserve a boombox right now and (laughs) then they destroyed my house and i was very unhappy so when i found they got trashed and possibly like murdered i wasn't really feeling bad for them no i mean i w- obviously you know it didn't justify their deaths but i was like well you know the life comes full circle here <laughs> <laughs> it's the circle of life <laughs> and that was uh, to your point too like the supernaturally feelings like his fear and his like you know the unknown going on like it didn't you know the wrap up it kind of felt like a scooby doo wrap up it's like yeah kind of you know I mean, oh what was, exactly was the ending that you got 
Are there uh, different, like, succinct, different endings? All I got was I went, so the, obviously the fire, you know, yeah, came about, right? Yeah, the helicopter. Yeah, I went there. I, had to t- the I just had a talk with Delilah, and she she was kind of like, we were just kind of suggesting what the other person should do. Right. You know? And she's like, you should go home and be with your wife, right? And that's what she told me. Okay, I think I got the same thing. I got something slightly different. Um, I I had started to really like Delilah, and I wanted her to form a new relationship with me. And I was disappointed with the ending because I felt like I did a lot of good dialogue choices to set that up legitimately as an organic relationship. And then right as I was walking to the helicopter at that scene, she pulled the plug on everything and basically said, you know what? Um, you know, I'm not really interested. It was just kind of a, a, a little fling over the radio and this mm-hmm. and that. And I don't want to meet you. She actually did say that. Like, like my character was, was in. He was all in for her at that point. And that's kind of where I was going to agree with you with, you know, maybe Delilah isn't who she said she was. Because I felt like she leaded my, led my character on. I don't think she is who she said she was because you find some stuff throughout the world that kind of insinuates that she has this sort of infatuation tendency to, to yeah. like kind of lead people on huh. and that she's still in a relationship too. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Now you're hitting on tones that I got. My and she's clearly exactly. an alcoholic. Like she has, yeah. there's a lot to that, right? Even that guy who finds notes on everybody, like he's got a bunch of notes yeah. on you. And like, it's really, fuck, it's such a strange, strange, like... It feels like there should be a big conspiracy that they build up to. and That's then, exactly what it is. You know, and like, then it's like, oh, it's just one nut job. Yeah, that's totally right. Well, okay, let's dive down into it a little bit deeper. So I, I guess we're on kind of cons and that we all don't really like the ending that came up um, and kind of how the ending was handled. Um, a con I have, I, I thought that the game would not feel padded with a few other kind of beginning instances like with those two girls that were trashing around i would have liked to have done a few missions just like standard go around the forest check out mystery sort of things before um the real story started to hit Hmm. you know i feel a little different i feel like those were really slow and tedious sometimes i didn't like the i didn't like the actual exploration i didn't really like the the exploration no and because honestly like a lot of times we have to like hook up your harness and then kind of climb down a hill. It yep. was very slow, and mm. I felt like the gameplay itself was pretty minimal and almost annoying too. I felt like juggling the compass and the map was really not. Oh, very... see, I actually really like that. Yeah, I like being. I like having to navigate my actually yes. navigate my way around. I can't really say I wouldn't like recommend not playing it. You know, I mean, if you're listening to this, I'm spoiling it for you. But <laughs> right. you know, like I, I really are, are, are. We really, though... Okay, so yes, you go in and you know, okay, well, there isn't much payoff. But I think what this the game is, the interaction between Henry and Delilah, right? It's just yeah. the, these outside influences are affecting that narration and is developing instances for these characters to interact more diversely. Yeah. But that's where the story is and is what is trying to be told. I suppose it's really how you as a person are going to interpret, you know, what the scenario is for Henry, right? How you're going to internalize his his personal strife, right? Which is what he's dealing with, his running away from his wife. And 
and his life, really. You know, it's like literally like the typical case of like, well, it's almost like just it's summer. It's like, you know, get away from life for three right. months, it's right? It's a break. You know, and it, it is. And it's, it feels like that too. And it, it does a pretty good job of that. It just, I just don't like how it wrapped up. You know, like, I, I, <laughs> all right. So, and of course, being the ending is the last thing you experience uh, that leaves the tools uh, in your mouth. That's the problem, I think, right? It's like, you can forgive a lot of, you know, tra- you know, trust. Transgressions. transgressions yeah there's a word um when the payoff is strong right, right. and yeah. i don't feel like i could forgive them after that hmm. Hmm. you know i wonder if delilah was just also a person getting away from her actual shit oh a hundred percent that's my feel yeah that that was my feel when i was finished and i was going mm-hmm. i was disappointed i was like I was honestly like a little bit heart sick. I'm like, why couldn't I make this relationship go out for my Henry? You know, maybe she had been doing that for a long time too. And she yeah. she has this relationship that she runs away from every year. And then she keeps these like kind of mini relationships every year. Right. You know, like these yeah. kind of fleeting things that aren't real. Yeah. yeah. And then she kind of lures you into it a little bit too. And then every time mm-hmm. she does, she makes up a new story about herself. Yeah. You know, she gives different changes, some details. Yeah. Just, she just kind of like fucks around, right? Like, like that is just yes. what, that is just her way to deal with her own shit. And if the game developers, if I ever read that that's what they intended for Delilah, then all of a sudden I boost up how much I like this game by like a notch or two. Because. What I will say and what I think the three of us will agree on is that the two leads have great voice acting, good chemistry between their responses, and that it's good writing. And I think we're just all disappointed on the payoff and what we didn't understand or little game mechanics issues. But I think the writing and acting of this were were exceptionally done. Oh, yeah. Well, those two elements are what elevates this above some other... Sure. Games, oh, hundred percent. Right? Like, yes. Though those are the the strongest parts, yeah. and are what this game is relying on to be impactful. I think. Mm-hmm. I guess the walking part of this simulator was my least favorite part. You are you are literally walking. Yeah, I didn't really like it. I remember actually being a little surprised at the amount of interaction that you had to do within the world that you're presented with. Mm-hmm. I agree with that from my perspective. Yeah. And I would call it, for that reason, the most interactive walking simulator I've yet played. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Like, I'm naturally, in real life, not an outdoorsy person, but I like digitally being able to be, like, having a summertime in Wyoming, flipping out a compass and trying to follow a map. It was fun to do with my air conditioner on and (laughs) on my leather coat. And isn't that the point, really? Like, that's what they're supposed to be, right? It's like you get to experience something you normally wouldn't get to experience. It's our escape. Yes. Yeah. It's the player's escape. I did make a note on that. I'm like, this this is kind of funny that I'm playing someone's escape by escaping and playing this game for three hours on Saturday. Right. How deep down the rabbit hole do we go? (laughs) Very. I um, had a question that kind of occurred to me as we were started the segment. The idea of the walking simulator would would that would the story that they try to tell be as effective in some other medium? If you were to read a book based on the narrative of Firewatch, would you have found that more impactful? Ooh, it could have been really good. Yeah, I, yeah. I think you know. I think that could be understanding maybe Henry's 
thought process a bit better. Yeah. And what's actually going on because you're only hearing what he says. Right? Mm-hmm. Not what he thinks. Not what he thinks and not what he feels necessarily yeah. and only what he wants chooses to say. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I was going to say maybe we, we do get a big, you know, I think the choices that you're presented with are possibly you can interpret them as thoughts racing through his head. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I just, I had a thought about Delilah too. I wrote this note down when I was thinking maybe she was a figment of his imagination. Yeah. And she has a line in the story when she's talking. She says, I'm as real as the sky is blue. And when you look up, the sky is orange at that time. Really? (laughs) That's cool. And I I looked up and I was like, the sky is orange. (laughs) (laughs) And I I immediately thought that because at that point I was questioning her. And that's, I think to Moby's point, I think, I think she obviously is real. But I don't think she's real. Like yeah, she's, no, she's, she's no, not. 100%. She's lying about everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I actually think That's you're cool. really onto something there. That's and cool. I, and I have restarted the game. I'm I'm just at the spot with the boombox. Um, I ran around with it for like half an hour because I love that song and I play that song all the oh, time. Oh man, I don't know why you love that song. I was play? frustrated that I couldn't get the fucking thing to turn off. Oh, it's because I love '80s music so much and I listen to all of cheap talk stuff now. <laughs> That's the uh, band that made that song but um i will look for that i will yeah. look for that and i will be very careful yeah yeah i wonder if it'll happen at the same time well i think we're all agreed that whether delilah is or not real that like what you just said marty that there's a lot of bullshit going on with her and yeah. that was certainly my read from the game yeah totally yeah you know i, I definitely felt that way and the other thing I've, i there was one gameplay glitch i had too which annoyed mm. me is i was it was around the time you first go in that cave when you need you need the key you go in the cave. Yeah. And I guess someone slams the door shut behind you. But oh, yeah. I never experienced that. I was halfway through. The, I was out the other side of the cave and then he's like, someone closed the cave door on me. I never heard a thing. Oh, um, you know what? I, I recall that too. You know, because I guess you're supposed to go back and check. But I never got stuck walking forward. I just kept going. Right. And then he was like, yeah, someone attacked, like almost killed me right. to lock me in this game. I'm like, yeah. what? I did try to go back, so I definitely had the yeah. slam shut and checked that. So I, that kind of took me out of it a little for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that, I think you gotta be really careful of, of in a game like this. Like, Oh, you do. I mean, the, the whole the whole thing is, is built on immersion. Mm-hmm. And if you're taken out for even a second, you're taken yeah. out. And, but, it's, and it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an impactful thing that happens to you, right? I, I do actually, you know, as much as the, sometimes the gameplay annoyed me, I will say the world was really well realized, too. You know, like, it's it makes, like, some sense, too, and you actually get a good understanding of, like, where everything is, yeah, and yeah. walking around is sort of satisfying. I didn't really, I'd, like, even though I may have had issues with the controlling and the interface a little bit, the actual world itself was well done. Did you guys find the turtle? No. I found a turtle, and I made him my pet. Oh, really? Oh, That's yeah. cool. It was no, weird. It was just, like, I don't even know where I was. It was off, like, one of those boxes, I think. And some like weird little hidey hole. Oh. Is, I was like, oh, a turtle. Yeah, I it's saw like, it. I, I kept him in the in the fire watch. I saw like an achievement thing for it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what it was. Did you get stung by the bee? No, I don't think so. Oh, no. yeah. There's like a mailbox when you're on the way to like that secret lab or area or whatever. Yeah. I opened it and a bee came out and stung me. And you can contact Delilah and be like, a bee stung me. And she's like, okay. Oh, I <laughs> did get stung. Yeah, you're right. I remember that. It's like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Did it hurt? And he's like, Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the more I'm talking about, the more I kind of like it. <laughs> I I think there are some, there are more layers to be peeled back than are initially yeah. 
you know, you there know, in front of you. That sky is blue, but it's orange thing, actually. <laughs> That's and, crazy. You know, That's super when, cool. The more we're talking about Delilah, the more that mean, is meaningful. Because when she turned out to be real, I was like, well, eh. But now I'm thinking it's really kind of just a metaphor. Yeah, totally right. Yeah. And you know what? I'm thinking, like, I remember, like, thinking, playing, like, that some of her dialogue responses are like, I think to myself, like, that's a really weird thing to say. I'm like, and then I'm like caught for a second, like, how do I respond to that? Mm. And of course, you have the, you know, you're getting time to try to pick a response. She's like, like she's like catfishing us. Totally, yeah, right? Yeah, she really is. And it, uh, you know, I think it, it was bold in my case. You know, I guess I would say I was disappointed with the ending, but that's emotionally in that I wanted a, a nice ending where her and I hooked up and got married and lived together the rest of our life. And it wasn't like that. It was almost like a, a tragic ending in that you try to escape from all this bad stuff. Mm. In my case, my Henry tries to leap into this the arms of this woman he feels he has a connection with. And at the very end of the game, literally everything's burning, you're escaping, and you have nothing. You're not a single step ahead of where I was at the beginning of the summer. No, and that's saying something about trying to escape your life, that's for sure. You really can't run from your problems. No, nope. yeah. <laughs> and I tried. So, it's just, yeah. They just get compounded, right? Yeah, and uh, you know, from that level, like maybe what, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I do look back and think maybe that's the point they were trying to make. Yeah. And if they did, they did it successfully. I think so. So, yeah. Okay, I guess I do like it more. It's funny because <laughs> Moby and I were chatting and I, I was giving him all these things I hated about the game and then I gave him a 9.5 out of 10 rating <laughs> because I'm usually the highest to rate things. Um, so yeah, nine and a half. No, not that high. But, but we will rate it. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. Go first. I will not it. choose Moby. Okay, I definitely see some flaws in it. But overall, I really liked it. We're allowed to give points, right? Like something 0. 0.5? Yep. Okay. I'm going to give it an 8.5. You can do whatever you want. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I give it a solid 7. Oh. 7 out of 10. That's funny. Yeah. You know, I'm my feeling is 8. But I feel like my... That's like... Again, I feel like our rating system is like so different <laughs> that a seven for you is like an eight for me. Right. You yeah. know? Yeah. And that's how I feel. So uh, I wow. think I, I give it an eight. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's pretty and, solid. And honestly, it would have been a seven from me, which is like a, you know, maybe like a Leland two. Um, <laughs> but the more we talked about the story and, you know, the sky is blue, sky is orange thing actually kind of pushed me towards that. The writing pushed me towards yeah. an eight. So it gets yeah. an eight. Because I think strong writing is rare. Yeah. And that, that deserves a nod. Oh, man. Cool. I like it. I like it. All right. All right. Oh, cool. Uh, moving on to the crazy about cardboard segment. I think this is like the third or fourth episode in a row with crazy about cardboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. With a cack attack. You can thank the Thanks, content director. director. <laughs> Marty. Well, Marty. today we're going to talk about uh, the relationship between tabletop role-playing gamers and tabletop board gamers. It's quite incestual. Uh, maybe. Is it? Not really. I don't know. I don't know either. I think I mentioned this briefly in, in a previous episode that thinking that this might be something interesting to explore, um, that I was I I was shocked that uh, a, a role-playing gamer was not interested in playing board games. That surprises mm. me too, because I would think it'd be the other way around. 
Yeah, that's yeah. what I, that was my thinking. Like, like that RPG was the next step up above board, you know, in, in like this yeah. weird hierarchy. Yeah, in like the nerdy like things right. in the nerdy things hierarchy, like the stigma goes like um like superhero movie and then it goes like like call of duty then it goes like obscure video game and then it goes like well, well no casual board game then obscure video game and then like tabletop rpg and then like D proper you know <laughs> and then and, and then larping or whatever so right it's it feels like D has always had a stigma right and like yeah. everything tabletop rpg kind of has if, if you tell an average person they're gonna go oh D D. Right. Right? right. So like that to me, that's always been the thing. It's like there's a stigma with that. Whenever I tell people I play D and D, they're they're very tentative to you know be like, oh, well, what's yeah. that like? I've kind of thought about it, but like you know, it's almost like the forbidden drug. Yeah. Totally right. Yeah. I but I really I don't think. Um, well, one I think that stigma is getting is very lessened. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be ridiculous. I mean, it's going uh, hand in hand with, you know, the general moviegoer enjoying a superhero film. That doesn't mean anything about them, right? It's just a film they're enjoying. Exactly. Right? That's definitely changed. Yeah. And, but like, I, I, apparently it's that this, that's not how it is, right? That's not the hierarchy. You can't just slot, <laughs> take a culture and then slot this hierarchy and everybody falls within it, obviously. No, but I certainly think there is a bit of a hierarchy. It's just obviously not everyone conforms to it. And it's certainly changing more and more and more. Like right, there's right. less of that strict hierarchy now. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, it's all, it's like a, it's a, it's based on stereotypes. It's stereotypical hierarchy. Yeah. But it's funny that even myself, who, you know, is, falls right into it, is perpetuating it. Mm. Um, despite maybe you know some of my other hobbies are you know not uh, historically attributed to this type of culture either right you know of course people's interests and hobbies vary Mm. and they're diverse and they're complex and so are so are some of these games that we can get into right and I think I don't know do you think a a role-playing game is is much more is more attractive to a new person into this type, these type of games, as opposed to a, putting a board game on the table. I think a board game is way more attractive. I, I yeah. agree with Marty. I think it's easy to break them in. Well, I do. It's a uh, tabletop game involves a certain amount of abstraction, and I feel like for most people, you especially as you become an adult, you lose that sense of like wonder, that sense of uh, creativity. You know, that kind of you kind of need more of for a tabletop. I feel to, to enjoy it, maybe. Yeah. You know, I certainly think being a creative person makes a tabletop RPG a little more fun. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's that's totally true. Whereas, you know, when you have physical components in front of you, you have you have at least have something to visualize. Now, mm-hmm. a lot a lot of board games themselves are very abstract in the concepts that they're trying to put across with the various mechanics that they employ, yeah. obviously. But it is it's something tangible. It's something physical. Mm hmm. Whereas, you know, you're, you play a role playing game and generally it's just the theater of the mind. You're, you're, you're imagining your imagination, your imagination. Right? That's, that's sort of what I was looking right? for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's such a alien thing to some people. It really is. And that's why I think that board games are way more accessible to a larger portion of the potential player group or, or audience, whatever you want to call it. Um, I, and I got to point out that board games require much less of an investment than RPGs do. 
Yeah, I mean, that's true. That that's a huge deal. I personally have turned down several opportunities to play RPGs because uh, I'm an adult and I have a busy life and I don't want to commit, you know, one or two nights a week for three hours at a time for quite literally years to to do an RPG. No, you need to be uh, invested sometimes to, to really get into these things. Um, you mean, you don't have to. You don't have, it doesn't have to be every week. We've had some fun yeah, I'm just, I'm times, gonna, right? I was just going to ask, what, what do you guys think? is like an acceptable frequency that you could possibly slot into your lives as far as role playing games go. I mean like once every 4 weeks, and once every 6 weeks. I at this point in my life I'd say once every 4 and I don't think that's So once a be, month. Yeah, once a month, that's but that's not I, that bad. Okay. Yes, from you, but I think for a lot of players they would say they no that's that's not frequent. Yes, enough. of course, same one more. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good point. But I also think though to if you want to attract more people into playing a role playing game, then you need to be more flexible. Yeah. I don't see what's the problem of having a party member drop in and out every month. And okay, so if you're if you are playing once a week and that person is literally only getting a quarter of the sessions, then there eventually there's going to be some imbalance depending on how you want to handle. But that's a lot of in you know a lot of details that we don't need to touch upon. So yeah, that could get a little messy, but I really think that what's what's so wrong about being a little flexible? I and I don't disagree with you. I think yeah. there should be a certain amount of drop in, drop out. That's why having a slightly bigger play group that's accepting of that could be really good. Right. Right. No, you, you guys are right. But I remember when we first started playing D and D fourth edition, like there was no question that every single person in our group had to play every session. It was almost like taken for granted. I think. And yeah, that's true. Certainly the people that have tried to get me to play now are still of the mindset that you've got to be committed and do this mm-hmm. during these times, which honestly, it's like the frequencies that I'm being asked to play are more now than less. It's moved from like every second or third week to every week. Really? And yeah. Yeah. And and some, that's why some people would kill f- to have those options. I know. I'm not one of them. And that's yeah, why it's, you're squandering. Uh, I don't know how to call him. Maybe I'll coin a new term, listener prime with his uh, kind of D&D group. You can call him designed. listener Riley. He's fine with having his name. Okay, on the podcast. listener Riley. Uh, I'm sure he would very much enjoy listener prime. <laughs> <laughs> See, and you have robbed him of that opportunity. Isn't he maybe. beta listener? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he is beta oh, listener. Beta listener. <laughs> Oh, he's going to... All right, beta listener. I like that. shoot you. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, he's developed an elaborate uh, D&D group, which is specifically designed to allow people to come and go as they please. It's right. mercenary he's, style. He's, job he's made an adventurer's league, basically. Yeah, and yeah. I, and that appeals to me. That sure. jazzes That's me up. That's very cool, yeah. Because that will allow me the flexibility to play... And also live my normal life. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure that he has many players that are there every week and routinely play every yes. time there's a session schedule too. So that is a that's an incredibly ideal scenario for a lot of people. Right. And now person currently uh, the group that I've been playing in, I think we've been playing in boy, I don't even know how long. Four months, maybe. That might be more than I think. But there's seven player characters. And very rarely, like, and we have basically a core four. Uh, no, we have a core five, really, that routinely show up and very rarely miss a week. Um, and I think it works 
really well. I mean, when when all seven show up, it's chaotic. It's it's frenzied. It's fun. It's you know, it's a hoot and a half. Um, but then on the those sessions where okay, it's just like the the core main players, we we get a little more into each other's backstory and you know a little more actual role playing kind of thing oh it's like the avengers when everyone's there and the <laughs> other ones are like the standalones there you go they're the b-list avengers <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know i just i really think this type of day and age if you do want to get a game going you got to be flexible Yo, I think so too. And I mean, there are more options now too. It's almost like you could probably do this without having everybody in the room. Too. Oh yeah, oh, you don't, you don't sure. gotta, you don't gotta yeah. leave. Which to me would help because I find for me being quite quite a ways away from everybody now, I don't think I could commit to once a month. Even honestly, I don't think I'd want to. Wow, mm. it's like I don't know if I want to drop six hours of my time plus travel to play a, right. a session, right? Yeah. And if we play only for two, that's a lot of travel for two hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny yeah so, it's like where is that balance there yeah. really isn't one that you know i mean i, I it's just easier for you to say no i think i'll pass exactly yeah. and you know i think i just have too many other interests that would take up that you know that time that is really limited Valuable as you get older limited, right yes. like i mean yeah. for, me, no, for me it no. feels like it's small now you know what i i really think that we should just start doing more one-shot stuff we don't have to do a campaign why don't yeah. we just like you know every couple months we just like shoot rip out of one shot I'd be down. That'd be fun. I yeah, mean, that would be cool. We should maybe do. Some, uh, I think we were talking about doing one for the podcast, anyways. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. could be fun. That would be neat. I mean, and that's an option too. Like, there's a you can adapt that to any system that you want to be playing in too. Mm-hmm. Right? I did look up actually some of these uh, tabletop games, like some of like the best ones last year. Yeah, the ones that I had like I hadn't heard of any of these. Yeah. Uh, I, you know the one I, I saw I wrote it down um I'll, I will find it I'm gonna break the table if I keep moving through my papers here um it was interesting it was kind of like a stranger things oh cool so you play it's kids on bikes yeah yeah it's called kids on yeah no, that's not, that's cool. brand new no it's not kids on bikes oh oh it no was, that's that's legitimately a is it that is legitimately oh. a system oh. um, that has recently no it's called tales from the loop oh that's funny yeah that's funny. Yeah, no, it's actually it's not it's not uh, kids on it's bikes. It's not kids on bikes. Okay. No, so it's I guess it's it takes place in like the eighties in like a world where there's like um, giant robots and like all these oh. things. And, like it takes place in like Sweden. Yeah. And it's like just kids who just were like hanging out when they were teen, like like you know uh, preteens, you know, and then all of a sudden they start exploring the woods and finding like mysterious things, and you it's a role playing system based on that. Cool. Cool. So it's, yeah, it cool. sounded pretty interesting. It had like eighties aesthetic meets like um, big giant robots. Yeah. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I have written down a couple I want to play. All right. Um, Battletech is first and foremost and probably the least surprising. Yeah. um, Just because I love the MechWarrior universe. Wait, you like Battletech? Oh, yeah. Amazing. Um, The second, (laughs) Nerd Alert. Warning, Nerd Alert. Star Trek Adventures. Um, It just looks cool. You're like a Star Trek bridge crew. It's got miniatures. It's got like... uh, um, now you can buy tile sets of the different spaceships and yeah, fine. I think that Star Trek has always been more dialogue based and character based than say, for example, Star Wars. And I just think that would translate better to an RPG. Yeah. Um, Boards Alive podcast, they do, um, they have a great Star Trek RPG session. It's like, oh, I think sweet. it's like three or four episodes they've done. 
It's really good. It's good stuff. Yeah, it seems pretty cool. I'm not sure if it's the exact system that you were talking about. Um, it very well could be, but yeah, no, it comes across very well. Yeah, Star Trek Adventures seems pretty big and growing. And I mean, honestly, like I mentioned Battletech first, but if I had a choice, like, boom, split second, I'd say Star Trek Adventures. Well, that's cool. I could do one. Yeah, yeah, it it just sounds legitimately cool. And the miniatures look great, and it looks like it's, it's popular, so yeah. That's good. Uh, one that I'm interested in, uh, one that I actually own the book for, is called Shadow of the Demon Lord. Ooh. And it's like this, it's like kind of like this weird, like gothic fantasy. Um, you know, it has some of your traditional races, like orcs and dwarves and stuff, but like um, there are like firearms and stuff in it. And you can be like uh, these, I don't know what they're, I forget what they're called, but they're basically like robots, you know, like these golem things. And I don't know, it seems really cool and like kind of, kind of dark and, and gross and, Kind of like a gritty universe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that one like a low fantasy cool. kind of thing. Right. Yeah, 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 totally. I like those. Yeah. I think we should uh, maybe yeah, pull that can. one out and one-shot the buck out of that. Yeah. Well, I, th- I was just reading up more on this Tales from a Loop, and it has, like, scenarios you play out. So I think it kind of plays more like a one-shot, cool. too, which is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be fun. Yeah, that could be. I'll have to maybe... Maybe I'll look into getting a rule book. It's cheap. Yeah. yeah. I like... Um, I don't know how you know a lot of systems. They just have you just get a core rule book and you, that's all you need, right? Yeah, but that, it doesn't matter how many players you're playing. You yeah, have, you have the reference. That's what this one Everyone is. I believe. Just, yeah. yeah, rip right in. Yeah, you can even just buy the PDF. Yeah, well, I think um, I think you know we're all a fan of Fiasco. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Right? Um, I mean, that's the epitome of a one shot. I would love to find some sort of expansion to that as well. Yeah, they there are other some other additional expansion books out mm-hmm. for them. Moby, did you have one? Did you pick one up? I was going to, and I will be going to because, um, as usual, Moby has his birthday several months after his actual birthday exists, and so that is the plan. I will. I have one bookmarked on eBay. I will buy it. Uh, as you guys know, I've also created my own homemade expansion to Fiasco that we played once. So. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, I remember that. That was interesting. I got those cards printed out. That was actually, that was a pretty fun fiasco. It wasn't our best, but it wasn't our worst. I I think we were drinking, which helped. We were. And (laughs) I remember, all I can remember about my cards, it was a card-based system, is that we had lightsabers come in. Yeah. We were dueling pastors, which was so much fun. Wasn't Marty like a black leader of a black baptist i think you guys were like rival church you were rival churches and it turned into like this shootout and shit it was awesome uh yeah that got pretty crazy yeah art imitates life (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe i should use the cards because i have that company on bookmark make some uh, additional steamships for transatlantica (laughs) oh yeah would you think you could find ones that you'd want to slot in that weren't oh there'd be like battleships that like have like 28 knots but no cargo (laughs) yeah but that are transporting what i don't know munitions slaves (laughs) (laughs) come on you're putting me on the spot here well, you put yourself on the spot. Okay. That's all you came up with on the spot? Munitions and slaves. Oh. Or- oranges. I'll bring oranges A little bit better. <laughs> you guys are... Potatoes. Not you guys. <laughs> oh, Moby is <laughs> a goober. Don't lump me in with that. Oh, shit. Do I have any more notes here? Oh, I have one question to ask you guys. And it, 
Vin Diesel came out in the very early 2000s, just as he was starting to get popular. And he was like, admittedly, this cool guy. And he's like, yeah, I play Dungeons and Dragons. I love it. I love RPGs. Do you think there was any effect of that on the overall acceptance of RPGs? Or am I reading too much into one actor promoting RPGs? I don't know. Um, could be. It's not just Vin Diesel. Like, Joe Manganiello is a big role-playing game okay, player. Yeah. You know, uh, and maybe, like... Vin's outspokenness about it is bringing other outspoken, you know, famous people. I don't know, but like, there, you could look on YouTube, uh, like uh, Dean Diesel, like <laughs> Dean Diesel. Yeah, I think Geek and Sundry did it. It's, it's like semi entertaining, but like Vin just sits there, like he's like he's not engaged. Like he's not as engaging as a role player. I don't know. It's just like no. I've, he's just I've, he's just like your average player. I've seen it. I've seen it. And you're right. He's not very magnetic. Right. Yet he somehow promotes it as something like he obviously really enjoys. Oh, wow, sure. He was certainly putting himself out there in the early 2000s. Like the stigma was there. Well, let's be right. honest. He's not a very magnetic actor. <laughs> That's true. He doesn't exude charisma. That's he just true. thinks he is. Yes. Right. And he somehow yet is popular and cool. Well, and you know what though, that that goes to show that it you don't have to be the extroverted, outspoken, you know, in character player. That's true. There's a huge swath and range of types of players that still get enjoyment out of just being part of something and just being part of the narrative. Yeah, you know, that's contrib- a very good contributing point. in yeah. other ways. Right? I'm just happy spot. to have friends. That's right. I just. Thanks for inviting me, guys. <laughs> well, see, I skew so extreme into enjoying the like role-playing elements and the acting. But as you say that, Leland, I think of all these people I've played with in the past who are not like that. Right. And, you know, there were some people in sessions I played. There was a session I played for, I think, a solid six months to a year with a buddy of mine that you guys never even met those people. And... I mean, they had different personalities, but there was only one or two of us in like a group of five players that were truly role playing as actors. Right. And it was, it still wasn't bad because it was good to kind of have that mix of, you know, you had the hardcore player, you had the silly guy who was a troll and fucking stuff up. And I didn't really like that guy, but he still brought color to the session. (laughs) Right. Um, Do you think that's because you were an amateur actor? When you were younger? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm missing why this is funny. Because I did not bring this up. This episode. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> it's, it's okay, Lou. It's okay. Listen, uh, listen, I'll get it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I got one kind of final thing for you guys. Um, you know, I, for me, the choice is pretty simple. But given the choice for you guys to... Spend a couple hours playing a board game or playing an RPG. What's your choice? Board game. And why? I guess it's just easier for me to jump into it for a few hours. Yeah. I feel like there's less prep mentally and anything. I can just dive in. The playgroup doesn't have to be as concise. It doesn't really matter. As imp- it's not as important who I'm playing with. Right. And the payoff's usually immediate. Yeah. that's Those are good points. Moby. Detached from the commitment, it's actually RPG. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what? Uh, the, the... Look act, away. The look away, Marty. <laughs> I'm an yes. actor! Yes. <laughs> to be or not to be. 
Yes, it 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 comes down to just me enjoying inhabiting a character, um, in acting. It's just one of my favorite things when I can do it. Yeah, that's valid. That's valid. So we just end the episode with Moby uh, reenacting a scene for Act Two of Othello. No. <laughs> I prefer Act 3. Sour right. toes! How about I bring back uh, yes, that sir. character? Yes, <laughs> Well, for me, personally... You're gonna get deduced, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> for me... <laughs> what a callback. I hope, I hope listeners somewhere out there is getting that callback. I'm, I'm Becca Black, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm <laughs> Dark Long! <laughs> wow, the seven people listen to that episode are, are like... Yeah. Whoa, callback! <laughs> 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 All right, for me, for me, it used to be RPG, but I have now, I have now switched to board game. Very much for the same reasons that Marty stated. Um, it is more accessible. I, I, I can entice more people to play with me, eat more easily. I think, and also I have really come to enjoy the teaching aspect of bringing a new board game to the mm-hmm. table and 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 giving that sharing that experience with new players. Yeah. Now, though, I will say that's the case versus being a player character. I would, if given the option, I would choose to be a a, a dungeon master or a game master over a playing playing a board game. I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, and I was going to save it. We we're going to do an episode in the future where we get to do like an AMA with each other and kind of ask some questions. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I had a question for Leland because I was really, I've been thinking about this with board games and like knowing you for a long time and knowing your kind of tendency to really get into things. Like you tend to find something like PS2 games, for example, and kind of turn it into both a collection aspect and also like a really kind of big an hobby. Advocate. Like, yeah, like an advocate. You're, you're now like, the biggest proponent of the PS2, right? You know, <laughs> and you're anti everything else, kind of thing. Fuck you, Xbox. But like, I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily. No, I, no, no. I just mean like, I think I see that in your personality that you, when you get into something, you you get into it, right? But yeah. then I see how you've been with board games, and it's been a while since you've started. I'd say it's close to five years since you've been pretty pushing it mm. like more into the hobby you know maybe maybe a little bit less yeah maybe, maybe, maybe like more like four but like yeah still it's pushing five and i always thought of you going in kind of like cycles of five years so ah. ooh, you think i'm gonna drop you know out? I, I don't think you are that's the thing right because i think you went through a big phase with like HeroScape, for example where like HeroScape was your big like spending thing yeah. outside of say video games but yeah. like video ones after you know you went through phases of video, with video games but then that you went i'd say you went like ps2 360 HeroScape board games, <laughs> right? And that's been my evolution. My yeah, hobby evolution. like that's your life evolution. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> but I think that there's a difference and like an important aspect with you in board games is that it seems like board games mean more to you. Yeah, and like they seem to have a like you've never made like a real sort of like goal to make like heroescape a lifestyle sort of thing where you'd like go out meet people who enjoyed heroescape you know and same with video games you were never like a competitive video gamer or something like you weren't it wasn't something you really you pursued right um but then i see with board games you certainly do it's almost like you found that thing and it's the really the thing like now it's like you've been searching your whole life for it now you found (laughs) it but it really is like it seems like super important and it's awesome to see how excited you get about it right um, do you see yourself losing interest or just get, getting for more and more interested? I think 
I, I, I definitely am going to side with you getting more interested. Now, I think there's a difference between being more interested and involved and being as opposed to being more fervent about it. Yes. I'm definitely less fervent about it as I was when I originally started. I see um, that for sure. Yeah. There, and I think that comes with maturity, uh, you know, being older. Yeah, especially compared to how I was back when the PS4 two days, right? Mm-hmm. But no, I, I I don't see the steam letting up, and I mean, especially with the interest that you guys are starting to form in it, um, and and you know the and while not to degrade your experience and with it so far that it's on the lighter scale of things, you know, as far as depth the involvement, right? Of course, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And now if I having, so I have that with you guys now, if I, if I feel like I need to reach out and get more of it, there's just this huge community that I'm now a part of Yes, that it's there for me to get. And it's very easy nowadays. I see, you know, like obviously with the internet, but just with the culture in general, anything with nerd culture, you know, you can really find someone else who's into the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. You, not only someone else, you can find thousands of someone else. Right. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's very tribal. Yeah. I mean, of course, that is not to downplay uh, the problems that any community does have and does experience as far as racism, sexism, all that stuff. Yeah. You can't just blanket statement. Yeah, this community is accepting of everybody. It always is and always will be, of course. No one ever will be. Right. It just doesn't work. But yes, I just, no, I definitely just see this team keep on chugging along. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about how accepting of, of a community it is. Right. You know, and I think that is pretty typical too of just the kind of the that that culture like i'd say outside of video games which seem to be very derisive and like aggressive like yeah. there's a lot of kind like of a bit. yeah it's weird and i think because it's probably male driven too right there's a lot of competitiveness and uh just even in just what we like right. you know and i mean not made not for me i don't care what other people like but like Go on YouTube and read some comments on some some video game videos or well any YouTube comments, but specifically in like video games or like movies and stuff. Like people are really awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know maybe that's just YouTube, but um, no, I think that's you, that's that, people. Yeah, I think that's yeah. people. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, the, in the board game culture, I don't see that as much. Yeah, no, I I I think I agree with that. And again, you know, I'm not I'm not everywhere. I I'm not on Reddit in the board games, you know, read it all that much. Um, I'm not incredibly active, active on board game geek and, and like the guilds and the forums there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm very limited in the action that I have, but I delve into those interactions. Yes. So I am seeing only a piece of it, but that's the impression that I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, do you see this as like something that just stays a hobby or are you looking to like turn it into something additional? I, ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. That's not something I really think about. No. Okay. I was just curious if that was actually like a thought process or if that's just kind of what, how it's evolved to an extent, like with the podcast and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I think that could be a an evolution of something that you try to build and it garners success. Mm-hmm. But that's certainly not something that I have in the back of my brain or even in the forefront that I'm seeking out or am making intense efforts to achieve, mm-hmm. maybe that will change. Okay, cool. 
Will we ever get to the point where we go to cons and like hot cosplay women are like move over Leland and Marty? I want to get to Moby. No, no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I was teeing that one up right on a little t-ball stand for you boys <laughs> to end things. Well, that's off. good because I can't. I strike out in no strike <laughs> game of baseball. So. <laughs> you do, you do. Uh, All right, let's wrap it up. I think that's good. That's good. And the show stuff. If you like what we're doing, find out what we're find out more. TTPopcast.com. We're also at poppingoffwiththehood.ca.org. Dot XXX. Dot yeah, RU. I have all those domains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, uh, Leland Show with Leland's Friends. Dot org. Dot UK. Everywhere. We're everywhere. Instagram, too. Facebook page. Spotify. We got articles on our website. Come on, go and read them. We don't write them Tumblr. for ourselves. Twitter. Tinder. My, MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> Bumble. We're all over Nexopia. We're all over Nexopia. <laughs> We're all over Nexopia. All right, all right. Cheeto City. That's it. I'm in Leland Steel. <laughs> I'm Moby. I'm laughing. <laughs> Take care, listener. <laughs> Thanks, listener. <laughs> Bye-bye.